House of Cards. Season 6, Episode 5 is over, but we're just getting started on the House of Cards. A recap here on Post Show Recaps. And now, here are the guys who are so dehydrating. I am Rob Sussman here with Zach Brooks. Zach, how are you? Uh, I was doing really well, and then I was reading some feedback Uh-oh. on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, we're as dumb as this lamp. <laughs> oh, no. We're as, we're as stupid as this window, and uh, Seth is smarter than us. No! <laughs> Chapter 70. We reached the big seven zero, Zach. Yeah, retirement age. Yes. Uh, we started way back when with chapter 13, even a season one retrospective before chapter 13. Here we are, chapter 70. And we're still talking about Rachel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. This was a dense episode of House of Cards. There was a lot here. Yeah, we were all over the place. We had some time in Saudi Arabia. We really we were, were in DC. We were in back rooms. We were playing poker. Mm-hmm. Lots going on. Yeah, I try to put a number next to the scenes in my notes. I have uh, thirty scenes here in this episode. Yeah, I uh, I was rereading my notes before we came on, and I thought I was near the end, and then I had like a page and a half of notes left. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm on to uh, six and a half pages of notes here uh, for this episode. A-, a lot going on here. I will also say that, you know, this was a classic Underwood meandering plan. I'm really not sure why any of it worked. <laughs> yeah, it, it really a couple of things in this didn't make sense. But, um, yeah, this is this is straight out of the Frank Underwood playbook, though, to yeah. make everybody think one thing and everybody takes the bait. And yeah, and here we are. So let me just get this straight. So. Claire Underwood's plan is that she was going to lock herself in the east wing of the White House for 23, 24 some odd days with the only clues that the rest of the world has is her crying with mascara running down her face such that people like Bill Shepard go on TV saying that the president is unfit for office so that her cabinet stages a coup in that they go to invoke the 25th Amendment and then Claire fires her cabinet and then comes out victorious and blames Mark Usher and uh, for the death of Tom Yates and uh, tells the FBI that he has been colluding with Russia, which I guess then causes the FBI to now arrest Mark Usher. Yeah, I mean, that is what we saw. Uh, I don't know if that has been the plan this whole time, or if maybe she needed 23 days to think up the plan. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't know why she needed to be locked away in order to fire the whole cabinet. I mean, I guess uh, if you're like, she needed a reason to fire them. And so them staging a coup is a reason enough. Although, I mean, it seems like public opinion of Claire probably shifted quite a bit. I don't know if it can be repaired just by having this like new all female cabinet that she's created. I mean, I feel like that we have like a pretty good context here in 2018 of like the average news cycle 
Could you imagine if we had a scenario where, uh, like, you know, Trump was locked in the residence for three weeks. Nobody had seen him. And there was just a picture of him crying. I know that there's a gender difference with uh, that. She was trying to like make people worried that she had gone hysterical, but uh, I'm just not sure necessarily where was the pivot. And, And then the report we got was that the president fired her entire cabinet and replaced them like, uh, do you need any confirmation for anything? Can you have a red wedding of your cabinet and then just completely replace them entirely with women? Like I know for the viewer, it was a, a real yes queen moment, but I, I don't know. How is this playing in America? Yeah, it it that doesn't make a lot of sense to me um, because you would think in 23 days, especially in the House of Cards world, when so much stuff does happen that something – you know, there would have been a hurricane or some national tragedy or some world leader who visited, something that Claire Underwood would need to be present in doing her job for mm-hmm. 23 days. Um, now, we did have – in real life, we did have that period of time when nobody had seen Melania Trump for, you know, two weeks or so. Mm-hmm. But that's the first lady. That's not the president. Yeah, that's the first lady. And it was like, isn't it weird that we haven't seen her? But it's, it, this is, um, I, I don't know, is, is Claire's pitch going to say, I was so upset because I found out that my vice president was colluding with the Russians. And it seems like that we have like the thinnest bit of evidence of other than the press secretary saying, hey, she heard Mark Usher was on his way to go and visit Tom Yates the night. Like in this world where, you know, in in our universe, there's, you know, oh, colluding with Russia. That's that's bad. Petrov was at a party with everybody a couple of episodes ago. I mean, just walking around, just yeah. walking around, hanging out, well, colluding with the Russians for, to do what? I, I don't under, really understand what the charge is against Mark Usher. Unless that it that he was colluding with the Russians to get uh, the deals in in. Uh, in Syria in place for the Shepherd Foundation. And that's when Claire stepped in and she changed the agreement. Or maybe she's going to even say that the agreement that she came to with the Russians was because Mark Usher had had this secret meeting with them and he pulled the spr- the strings and she had to do that. And, um, but why isn't Mark Usher, who seems like a very careful guy, going to say, no, Claire Underwood killed Tom Yates uh, and I guess he did it at my house. I, I guess that he don't, you don't want to say I was sort of you know aided and abetted right. in a murder. But I think that when you're going to go like, okay, let me give you a plea deal and I will plead guilty to sort of, you know, helping with the cover up. But Claire Underwood definitely killed uh, Tom Yates. Uh, I don't know again, uh, but I, when they're saying that you killed Tom Yates, I mean, I guess the alternative is probably better to say, no, I didn't kill him, but I did help move the body. And right. I'll tell you everything I know about the president. If you want to take her down. And this, I mean, the, the smoking gun is the ice cold body that Mark Usher has. 
I just don't so, know why. Yeah. Why is uh, Mark Usher gonna you know take the fall for Claire Underwood on this? It's like, almost like that the show is trying to present that oh Mark Usher she's got him dead to rights and like uh, get him lock it lock him up officer and then he's like hamina 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 uh, I have no good explanation for anything and nothing is gonna stick to Claire. Yeah, and you would think that the shepherds are going to be behind Mark Usher and get him the best lawyers or help him out in some way. Um, it, it doesn't seem like he should just take the fall for this, but it also feels like with three episodes left on the show, they might just yada, yada. I think yep, we're going to yada, Usher yada. This. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I just like, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't really understand what the, I, I mean. And for this to be Claire Underwood's plan, why did she have to go through the, I need to lock myself in the residency for 23 days? You know, why couldn't she just fire her cap? Like, I don't know why she had to go through with this whole business to sort of like, was this to sort of like expose, oh, my cabinet is filled with snakes and they would be willing to try to, you know, undermine me just because they thought that I had lost my mind. So they must all be fired. Yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't really make a ton of sense. It's going to turn all of the public opinion about Claire back. And, you know, it just seems like she could have come right out and said, here's this evidence. Um you know, I've heard that he was colluding with the Russians and then go from there and say we we need to clean house. Like you don't need to wait 23 days for that. Like we had no sort of evidence that her uh, cabinet was, you know, filled with vipers or yes, they met. But I mean, it, it, that seemed like a rational response. She was trying to trick everybody to think that she had gone insane. Cabinet got together and it seemed like very much within like the idea that that amendment was added to the Constitution of if the president is you know incapacitated or has lost uh, his or her facilities, then the cabinet could get together and say okay we need to, we need to act and when claire underwood is trying to make everybody feel like that she's fallen into this incredible depression that seemed like a rational thing to do and then they had to all get fired for this offense and the i, I just don't understand why the country is behind her on this move yeah no i think the rational thing to do is uh is not support the person who didn't do their job for 23 days and disappeared um, even if, you know, whatever it was that was that she's going to say is the reason why she disappeared, whether it was that she found out this news about Mark Usher or she was so torn up about Kathy Durant being dead or the stress of everything was getting to her. I don't I don't know exactly what she's going to say. Uh, if we'll even hear it or if it's mm -hmm. just going to, you know, episode 71 is going to be a brand new day. And the idea that she would like fire every single person on the cabinet to replace with 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 an all women cabinet or why that oh i need to see annette shepherd's face when she sees like why did and she need to see annette shepherd's face when she revealed the all women cabinet because annette shepherd would her head's gonna explode or she's gonna know that uh claire just checkmated her with this move and i don't even know if it's a checkmate because okay yeah so claire's this all-female cabinet and i guess it makes the timing of releasing this abortion news about claire back uh out you know, I guess I guess that, you know, that does kind of take away some of the wind that would be Internet Shepherd sales. But 
I mean, I don't think one has to do with the other, really. Yeah, I, I just don't know exactly what, uh, unless the show is going to paint this as, wow, I can't believe that Claire did this. Her approval rating is at 92% because she did this and she's the the, the champion for, for women. But uh, I don't really know, like, that who was really opposing like this was not really an issue like uh, Frank Underwood uh, did not ever come across as his stance was being anti-woman. I feel like that that is more of an issue that comes up in the real politics in 28 as opposed to anything that's going on in the universe of House of Cards. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that, you know, and it it seems like it's a little bit thin where it's like, oh, look at you know, I have this all female cabinet. It's like feels like it's a little pandering. Um, you know, that's great that she has an all female candidate or all female cabinet. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's just like it just seems like it's like okay. Wait, did you only do this so that you could say you had an all female cabinet? Uh, I'm confused because the only other area where we're really touching on you know women's health issues is uh, dealing with the abortion storyline, and so maybe that uh, that it seems like that this is just going to be the thing that is going to. She knew they had the abortion story, and so that this was her way to get out of the scandal that was going to ensue from the abortion storyline where they're going to attack her and say Claire Underwood had an abortion at 16 weeks. And it's like, well, I just have a a cabinet that's filled with women. So, yeah, I just don't think one has, you know, I mean, yes, it's, they're both women's issues, but, um, and without putting my foot in my mouth, I just don't think that like one necessarily has anything to do with the other. Like if the, if in, I mean, again, what is the abortion news really? I mean, it would be bad publicity for Claire, but it's not like she broke a law. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe maybe abortion was illegal back then, but yeah, I'm not sure exactly. This isn't like she. This isn't like she threw somebody in front of a a moving subway or something. You know, I don't even want to get into you know how many how many weeks is uh, you know where that where that's legal or what this. We do not have anybody who is a medical expert uh, on uh, the podcast to talk about that. But I guess hopefully we get some more explanation in terms of what has been uh, preempted by this very radical move that Claire Underwood made. Yeah. Do you think that uh, we've seen the end of Mark Usher? Do we see him again? Uh, I think so. I I don't think that this is a series end for Mark Usher. Yeah, I would hope not. He's a good character, and I would like to see him go out a little bit more than like he tries to stage a coup. Claire somehow gets the best of him, and then he's done. He still has so much connections with the Shepherds. Um, and we learned even more so that, you know, they were behind him getting involved in the administration in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was kind of their handpicked guy. So um, there's there's still some more juice that we can get out of this Mark Usher thing. So there was a lot going on with the shepherds. Uh, let's let's touch on the shepherds here. Um, the show opened with uh, Claire Underwood in a flashback with Annette Shepard. What did you make of that? Yeah, I uh, I have no idea. And that was one of my complaints is like we've had all of these flashbacks um, and we've had them in maybe half the episodes now, but they're not really tying together that much. I guess you could maybe we'll find out that this is only, you know, this has been Claire and the shepherds growing up together, but um, we're not getting 
very much story from that to devote valuable time in the final season to these flashbacks. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, it's not really working. The young but, Claire, the very young Claire, you know, you I felt like that we got something out of it where, you know, she hit the kid in the eye with the broom and and, you know, her parents were sort of like uh, yelling at her about the way that, uh, you know, for a young lady to behave like I, I felt like that that at least made some sense. But this one where Claire was just sort of like giving up her part in the play to Annette, she wanted Annette to take over. I wasn't sure. Did this come directly after we saw Claire and Annette smoking the joint? Was was Claire high during this? I think she was younger at this point than the maybe that's maybe that's the same actress. But I I assume she was a little bit younger in mm-hmm. this flashback. Yeah. Um but yeah, and I mean, you know, Claire does say that we're all going to die one day and it sounds like she's kind of like having some really deep thoughts. So maybe she maybe she's really high and just like thinking about death. Yeah. Um, and it does set up the stage for more talk about death that we mm-hmm. had a lot of death talk in the in the last well, episode. Is this foreshadowing Claire Underwood's death here? Do we think that that is a uh, realistic possibility in these final three episodes that we will see Claire Underwood die? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I'm just, you know, as we kind of start to wind this thing down i don't know how they're really going to end the show that would be a satisfying conclusion um and it seems like a lot of times shows would just kind of default to the death of the main character as the final episode <sighs> yeah i mean could claire underwood die but die as like a martyr or a hero and get some sort of because what, what does a happy ending look like for claire underwood yeah that could be a happy ending that you know she dies as a hero and is remembered with this, you know, as this great president or uh, you first know, woman president sacrifice. and sort of like uh, that we close on sort of like, a, you know, a young woman giving a speech about how Claire Underwood has, uh, you know, changed the United States of America. And she's like this transformational figure of our first woman president who ended up being this great role model for women. I, I definitely could see the show spinning it in that way where she is sort of this, uh, you know, look that as a great figure yeah it's too bad that she spent a good portion of her last year of life uh just completely like negating her responsibilities as president and uh, cooped up in the white house with everybody talking about how she's not doing her job right but you know maybe she has like this great run here at the end because that has been a theme of the show that they don't have children the underwoods what they have is legacy and real what legacy does frank underwood have you know uh very tarnished uh his legacy that he has left behind but maybe for claire underwood that there could there could be something although if she were to die and us to not have a time jump that legacy is something along the lines of a six-month presidency yeah. Um, and it would be, a you know, kind of an ironic conclusion if they both die and they don't leave a legacy that they worked so long and wanted to have monuments built. And, you know, there's lots of talk of legacy throughout the series. If Claire Underwood dies and then like the next scene is Hammerschmidt dropping the hammer with all this evidence about her misgivings and her bad deeds, mm-hmm. uh, that would I mean, that would be a very dark end to this show. And I'd be like, well, see, they did all this bad stuff for nothing. Oh, I think Hammerschmidt's going to die very soon. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think Hammerschmidt is, is ever releasing his findings. <laughs> and I, I, I know we're not to that yet, but what's the point again? Like, why is he? Yes. OK, he's going to be able to tie Doug to Rachel, which ties Frank Underwood to the death of Peter Rousseau. 
And so what? Frank's dead. Rachel's dead. Peter Rousseau's dead. Like this is mm-hmm. all, and this is like four or five years ago at this point. Like who cares? Like yeah. Schmidt, is he just like pulling at the only thread he has, like just playing the playing the hits, you know? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that we are pot committed with the Hammerschmidt story that, you know, he became more of a, you know, a central figure in terms of after Zoe Barnes was gone, that somebody had to be working this media angle in terms of following the Underwoods. But it seems like that there is exactly one reporter that is working <laughs> this beat of the many many underwood scandals that have been going on over uh 70 chapters of this show i think that his number is up here yeah and i don't care if they want to have the reporter who's investigating stuff i think that makes a lot of sense but there are 50 other things that he can be investigating i mean even just go one season later and investigate raymond tusk stuff or you know i mean there's like Take your pick of the different scandals that have affected this country under the Underwood administration. Like we're going to go to the one that ties the dead president to the dead congressman loosely. And she's like – it's just – Okay, if anybody sees that story, they're not going to care at all. Right. Uh, This would not be in, you know, the first 20 pages of the Washington Post at this point or the Washington Herald in in this universe (laughs) of the prostitute that that uh, then Congressman Underwood, uh, you know, paid off to get Pete Rousseau back on the wagon. How many years ago? Who then they moved somewhere, and then his fixer ended up murdering her years down the road. Right. Uh, although I will say that was probably the best episode of House of Cards. So, Which one? The Pete Rousseau episode, where he's where he's with Rachel and he doesn't know what time it is and he's all drunk and then all of a sudden it's six o'clock in the morning and he's got to jump on that phone call, mm-hmm. uh, that radio interview. I, that that was like the episode that sold me on House of Cards. So, mm-hmm. okay, um, you know if they if they want to if they're trying to call back some of the great episodes, I guess they can do that. Yeah, but, like uh, chapter eight, like, yeah, somewhere in the, like, that neighborhood. Right, and we're almost at chapter eighty. So. <laughs> It's been a minute. Okay, so so back to the shepherds. Uh, I did like when uh, Bill Shepard sat down with David Gregory. I I feel like that uh, House of Cards. I do like these media hits. I do uh, like uh, checking out the different cable news shows, and I like when we uh, incorporate the real stuff. Uh, I I do love that uh, House of Cards does uh, make cable news appear to be you know uh, really calling it down the middle. That they do not paint cable news as partisan. At all. No, they're just giving us the facts. Yeah, they just uh, really, they're always looking at the Constitution, what's legal, what's not legal. They, they're never playing sides on cable news and House of Cards. Well, we did have, uh, was it MSNBC or one of the one of the clips that they showed where uh, whoever that anchor was, was um, saying that Claire, he's like, oh, she has depression. And he's like trying to trying to. Um, diagnose he's trying to diagnose her mm-hmm. uh like this 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 cable news anchor is trying to diagnose who, who was that was that lawrence o'donnell or was that cnn uh i think it was lawrence o'donnell or was it wolf captions. blitzer yeah it wasn't wolf blitzer it was like, the captions were covering all the names and i'm glad that you recognized that that was david gregory because i was like that guy looks so familiar and i was trying to figure out how i could 
figure out who that was because I knew it was a real person. I'm not sure where David Gregory is. I think that David Gregory might be with ABC News uh, at this point. Uh, oh no, he's at he's at CNN now. He used to be uh, at NBC. He's the host. Uh, I think he took over at uh, Meet the Press after the uh, late great uh, Tim Russert passed away. Uh, but I don't think it was uh, working out. And then he ended up uh, moving on and Chuck Todd took over there. But uh, yeah, David Gregory with a one-on-one with Bill Shepard. Yeah. Um, it was a, you know, just getting all the information from Bill Shepard. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, that was that was interesting. I was wondering, do you think that like the general public knows that there's so much of a connection between the Shepherds and Claire Underwood? I mean, they've grown up together. It would seem like this would be sort well of after knowledge. recoil gate. I, I feel like that that probably would be uh, reported somewhere. Yeah. So, but I mean, I guess that people are just okay with with Bill Shepard going on there and saying, you know, I love this country. I also love my company, and you know, like clearly he has other motives here. Yeah, I, I don't know. It would be hard for like a. Who would be the real life version of Bill Shepard that's like such a captain of industry, but then also like uh, so closely tied to, you know, uh, partisan politics? Yeah, I was I was trying to figure out if, like who the um, the shepherds are supposed to be. I don't know if it's supposed to be um, like the Koch brothers because it is siblings or uh, maybe um, maybe or, or yeah. like the Mercers who run Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and, and we do have like the Shepherd uh, analytic company as well. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think he's supposed to be sort of like a Jeff Bezos type as well. So maybe a combination of a yeah. few different people. Okay. Uh, Claire has a meeting with Duncan in this episode. How did this come to be? Uh, she must have just invited him. Um, although his mother didn't know that he is, uh, he's gone to meet with Claire. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Claire meets with Duncan and, uh, you know, they have a, a nice chat and Duncan says he can make things go away. Claire asks Duncan about, uh, what's your first memory? What's your first being memory, th- Duncan? Being thrown in the air. Yeah. Uh, remembers it was a nikon camera what is that product placement <laughs> and it's good memory too i mean i guess like how would he even yeah. know that it was a nikon camera yeah he he's getting his picture taken and he looks over to the side and sees the camera <laughs> was the was safe. the picture taken in a mirror how would how would he know <laughs> that his first memory is and I, I i distinctly remember the camera was a nikon well, if he remembers the the picture being taken, Nikon has a big Nikon logo in the front of the camera. So, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't <laughs> read, but memory. I could clearly uh, <laughs> sense the shape of the letters. Okay, Claire says, uh, "Ask your mom where you came from," and I am still very muddy about where did where where did Duncan come from? What what are yeah. we getting at here? Duncan is also very muddy on this. Is Duncan uh, adopted? What it, What is the reveal here? So I think there's two possibilities. One is that his father is Bill Shepard. Mm-hmm. Whether he's a product of incest or Bill Shepard and some other woman and Annette Shepard uh, pretended to be his mother. So that's one option. Option okay. two is that he is the offspring of one or both of the Underwoods. Yes. And during this episode, I started to think they're talking so much about how Claire Underwood had all these abortions that 
Maybe one of them, she didn't actually have an abortion, and one of them became Duncan Shepard. Okay, now this uh, I think might be just a little far fetched, only because <laughs> that if Annette Shepard is the one trying to out Claire Underwood for the abortions, it would be un- seem unlikely that she was actually raising Claire Underwood's baby. Yeah, there must be some reason for it, but it it. Far-fetched and House of Cards kind of go together uh, a lot of times. I mean, this is an episode where we just saw Claire Underwood lock herself as the president, lock herself in the White House for a month. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, maybe when when Duncan was born, Claire Underwood made Annette and Bill Shepard promise her something and uh, gave them the baby. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that that Frank Underwood so desperately wanted a baby and Claire Underwood certainly did not want to have offspring with Frank Underwood? Like the idea revolted her, even though she did seem to want a baby at the end of season one, but they don't talk about that anymore. Um, Is it possible that Frank Underwood so badly wanted a child that uh, he went out of his way to have one with Annette? Yeah, I just, I mean, and that's that why he complained s- about Claire Underwood that she was so desperately wanted to not have a baby. She even had an abortion at sixteen weeks to make sure that we didn't have a baby. Yeah, I mean that that tracks a little bit more than the baby being Claire's. Um, but I still like to think that somehow they've have this this tangled web that Duncan Shepard is the the literal legacy of Claire and Frank Underwood. And for whatever reason, Annette Shepard has been protecting him his whole life. Um, yeah. And, and maybe that information is in the will. Maybe there's something in the will that has to do with this baby mm. that turned out to be Duncan Shepard. Frank Shepherd. Underwood maybe. has left everything to Duncan Shepard? To Duncan Shepard, yes. Mm. His real child. That would really tie everything together. Okay. Um. But but it seemed like that the the psychiatrist read the will. No. Uh, yeah, he read. But it the will doesn't. I don't know if it's as clear as you know. It might just have clues. <laughs> what, because there's like the line in there that's like, "What's the last thing that Frank gave you?" The letter opener, right? The so, letter opener that will be used to kill Claire Underwood. At yeah, some point I do this. feel like that there is some significance there with that being the MacGuffin of something. So I don't know yeah. uh, what what exactly we'll use that for. Um, I did love it when, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Bill Shepard was going nuts about Duncan Shepard uh, going <laughs> down there. <laughs> this towel, this towel, uh, you, you, you're dumber than. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of goes some points to Bill Shepard being Duncan's father because hmm. the way he's talking to him, like that's the way a father would talk to a son who, if he was really angry, not necessarily the way an uncle would talk to a son. Yeah. I loved it. That Seth is smarter than you. <laughs> yeah. He, like, even Seth. Poor Seth, <laughs> poor Seth just really, really getting uh, ran, ran all over the coals there. Mm-hmm. Dragged all over the coals. So, Ultimately, later on in the episode, we see Duncan gets a file folder delivered to him and he looks it over and he's upset and he tells Seth to, to leave. So what what has he learned? I think that's his 23 and me. That's his 23 and me. Uh, but what is it that he learned? Did he learn that Bill is his father? Did he learn that Claire is his mother? Did he learn Frank Underwood is his father? 
uh, something that you just said. One of those three, I think. Uh, maybe Mark Usher is his father. Who knows? Mark Usher is his father. Well, that's not going to be good. No, but it's good. It's I mean, it's got to be some some big reveal with somebody that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know, it's going to be some combination of Bill, Annette, Claire, and Frank. Maybe it's Bill. Maybe his father is Bill and his mother is Claire. His father is Bill and his mother is Claire. Like I, I, just, I don't know how Claire is the mother. Yeah, it, that's a hard one, but it would make sense. Sort of. Would it, I don't know. It would, be, it would be like a really big surprise. It would be a big surprise for everybody involved. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, let, let's talk through Doug. Doug had a lot going on in this episode. Get very, very dense episode. Yeah. Oh, Doug. Yeah. He's uh, he's traveling all over the place. He's you know finding a psychologist. Yeah. Um, he finds the psychologist and uh, beats him up. Yeah. Um, but first he's on the phone with a guy named Fred, mm-hmm. uh, who you might recognize from the very first episode when Doug was in the psychiatric hospital and he's talking yes. to Seth, that guy, Fred walked by. So Fred must've been either a former congressman or some big shot in DC who also was in that psychiatric hospital, probably as part of a plea deal or an insanity deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's just gotten out. Yeah, so, uh, that guy. That guy's popping back up. I I thought there was it was weird that they made a point of him in the first episode, and now he's back. So I'm assuming he's going to play a role moving forward for the last couple episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see Doug. He beats up the guy and uh, ends up telling him that uh, he tells him a story about uh, that Doug really hates shrinks. They're the most <laughs> effed up out of everybody. Yeah, that was. Uh really quite the party that very he went graphic to. story yeah although I, I don't know if we can believe any of doug's stories anymore yeah i, I don't believe that one i mean that <laughs> one's really out there it doesn't matter if it's true though yeah that, that, that is pretty out there and so ultimately uh doug wants to know about the last line of the will which turns out to be remember the last thing i gave you which we believe is the letter opener yeah um Unless the last thing he gave him was the 23 and me for Duncan Shepard. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's a letter. Maybe there's a letter that he needs to open. Okay. And we see Doug that he is uh, still trying to track things down. We saw him talking with Stan also not buying Stan's story. Uh, that He's not a Stan of Stan. He's not a Stan of Stan. And so Doug goes to the White House and talks to Claire. And uh, that he is uh, not happy to be there. He'd rather be in the West Wing. I'm not sure exactly why. I think it's bothering him too much to be in the room where uh, Frank Underwood died. And Claire is trying to convince him, look, it was Frank that caused all this pain, not me. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if he's ever going to turn on Frank. I don't know if he's going to believe that. But she can keep trying to beat that drum. She can try. She can try. Um, I do feel like that Claire outlives Doug because I can't see a scenario where Frank Underwood gets the last laugh on Claire. Oh, that's a good point. Um, so one of the thoughts that crossed my mind about this will, and I don't know exactly how this would play out, but Claire seems so set to protect this will and this will is so valuable and she can't let Doug get his hands on it. What if the information in the will is like a like schematic of how uh, Doug can kill Claire Underwood. Like, so he's like got the letter. Her opener, Achilles heel. 
Yeah, like she it, has it, a it, peanut allergy. <laughs> exactly. Like that. See, now that that could make sense. It's like Claire Underwood every night at seven o'clock does her her meditation and she's not paying attention. So at seven o'clock go behind Claire Underwood with the letter opener. And it's like instructions for Doug for how to kill Claire Underwood. <sighs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> that might be one of my more out there theories mm-hmm. that came, that came to me and I was like, what could Claire possibly be trying to protect so much? And maybe it's her own life. Uh, could well be, could well be, but I think that maybe there is something that maybe Frank Underwood has on Claire, and maybe there's some sort of like a vault or something where the, all of the Underwood secrets are buried. Like their secret child, Duncan. Maybe, maybe. Um, Doug is going to tell Claire that he thinks Kathy Duran's still alive. And he's right. Yes. She's still alive. He is right. Uh, he says to her at the end of that scene that uh, whoever killed Frank will get what she or he deserves. Emphasis on the she. Yeah, well, he's just preparing for the all-female cabinet, so he's just trying to get used to saying she more often mm-hmm. than he. And uh, Doug ends up uh, later on in the episode having that conversation with Hammerschmidt. And Hammerschmidt wants to know about New Mexico. We see him uh, throughout the whole episode. He's trying to track down what's going on with Lisa and her identity. And Doug says, hey, um, so, like, uh, hang up the phone right now or I'll never talk to you again. Yeah, uh, you know, Hammerschmidt needs to be careful. Mm-hmm. He is, he's pressing all the, all the right buttons, which are all the wrong buttons. And he's going to get himself hurt, probably. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Doug sends a message to Nathan. Says like, hey, are you still listening? You're a fool if you think she'll protect you. Yeah, Doug knows. And, you know, we don't know exactly where Nathan's loyalty lies here. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, this, this, this Doug and Claire thing is definitely going to pick up in these last couple episodes. Okay. I think you were right. You were right on that podcast a couple days ago when you said the final battle is going to be Doug and Claire. Doug and Claire, we are on a collision course. And I have to think that Claire, that Claire wins. And, and maybe she ends up wounded in some way, where, like either literally or figuratively, but uh, then ultimately is able to uh, have this legacy, which ends up being uh, lasting beyond her years. Yeah. And then they can paint Doug as the uh, psychotic assassin who tried to kill Claire. With her letter, to op- with her letter opener, mm-hmm. right? That uh, that he was still uh, Frank Underwood's henchman, and that's the way that she's able to really divorce herself from Frank Underwood. Uh, you know, in, in a way that everybody really sees the divide between them. But we see that Claire Underwood did issue a pardon for for Doug. Was this the real reason why she had to go and, you know, play this part where she could sort of like the story was that how she's been in hiding for three weeks. And then the only thing she did was pardon Doug during this time. I can't imagine that that's the reason she for needed the distraction. Yeah. But is she really going to give up a month of her presidency in order to distract from giving Doug a pardon? It seemed like nobody really was talking about it. No, I mean, you know, I, I think that, you know, it might be a one day news cycle mm-hmm. for the Doug pardon. Yeah. Um, and and even if that's the case, she probably could have been in hiding for like five days and had the same effect. Twenty three days is a long time. And I don't think she cares that much about Doug's pardon. OK, let's talk about Jane Davis. 
All right. Jane. Uh, I thought she was dead earlier in the episode when those uh, men showed up behind her. I, I wrote my notes that she might be dead. Might be the end of her. Yeah. So Jane Davis, uh, she ends up uh, going to go talk to Claire and she comes to the White House and she's she's not she's not happy about uh, Jane Davis is not happy about the deal that Claire made with uh, Petrov. And she uh, doesn't like any of this. She thinks that it's all, this is all too late. The storm is gathering. Yeah. But first, can you help her get her jammies on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then she drops the dish uh, for great effect. Yes. Uh, symbolism that Claire Underwood's presidency is shattering. Yes. As a result of her decisions. Okay. But later... We see Jane Davis, and she is in bed with Nasser. Uh, Nasser is the guy. Is he from ICO or Syria? Uh, one or the. I think he was with ICO. He was um, sort of working on behalf, and so somehow he's tied to ICO. And uh, she says, "Like, uh, you know, you're very dehydrating." And uh, uh, this was crazy. Yeah, who knew that Jane Davis and Nasser were getting it on? <laughs> yeah, who knew? Uh, she says, look, when the dust settles, you'll get what you want. And she goes to go look for her phone. And then uh, we see that she is in trouble. Jane Davis. Yeah, it's two black suits show up right behind her. The men in black. Mm-hmm. Now, later on in the episode, we see Jane Davis. She is not tied up, but she has been taken to Saudi Arabia. Uh, that's what they said. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I guess there's no reason not to believe that's Saudi Arabia, but... Um, Could have just been a hotel room. Right, with with tapestries and, and all decorated. Okay. Um, what is yeah. going on here? That, these, uh, that uh, Jane Davis was taken away on Claire's orders? That's what it seems like, because then Claire calls her and... Um, when Jane Davis, you know, when Jane Davis answers, she says that if she wants to keep her life, she needs to know when the when the cabinet is going to be making their move against her. Mm-hmm. Um, although it could just be that this is something separate and Jane Davis was captured and then Claire Underwood struck a plea deal to get Jane Davis out as long as she could talk to her on the phone. Mm-hmm. And she did seem to know. She did seem yeah. to know because then Claire walked in the office at the right time. Yeah, I think uh, Jane Davis just kind of knows everything that's going on everywhere. Okay. Let's talk about Kathy Durant. Kathy Durant has made a video. She is describing uh, everything that went on. She's given the date. Was this video sent to Claire Underwood? Uh, I don't think it's been sent anywhere yet, but I'm sure somebody will be receiving well, this video. who got that video? Uh, I don't know. That I thought she was just recording it for... Um, for her own kind of insurance, especially now that her husband has disappeared. But Claire's seen it, right? Claire was watching it. Was Claire watching this video? I, I believe you- so. I don't think we were watching Kathy Durant uh, film the video because Claire turned it off. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. So, um, you know, maybe she's just firing a warning shot then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, uh, this is when Claire and Doug are talking about this Kathy Durant thing. Uh, do you think she sent they sent it to anybody else? Uh, they don't think so. And um, Doug uh, says, we'll find her. Yeah. Uh, you know, they do think the the Russians got her out. So um, or the shepherds. Yeah. Or the sh- I mean, we'll find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
somebody has Kathy Durant, and this is a big loose uh, hanging thread for the Underwood administration. This is a big meatball that's out there. Yeah, we have a couple of these big big meatballs for these last three episodes. Yeah, let's talk about the app. Oh, the app, the tracking app. Yes, what is going on with the app? I don't know why we're wasting time with. Why this are we wasting time with the app and Janine and the guy who worked at the Shepherd factory and tracking that guy and why? Who cares? So. I just don't understand why they do this and they're also doing the Hammerschmidt storyline. Like if they want to do one like media investigation, that's fine. But it, it, these just seem very like very similar plot lines. Um, and, and, you know, and maybe this this app story is going to be something that takes down the shepherds. But um, I, I don't I don't know what the point of it is, really. Yeah, I think that so when Hammerschmidt dies, I think that Janine has to, you know, do the write up on what the shepherds are up to. Yeah. So but Hammerschmidt doesn't even seem concerned with what the shepherds are doing. He's only concerned with this Rachel story. Right. He's lost in the weeds. He's lost in the yeah. weeds on everything. At least Janine is following up the app storyline. And then this is going to, you know, take down the shepherds that when, once we reveal the the code that's uh tracking people on the app yeah um and janine just left her phone there which um i guess that she's not going to be tracked anymore but uh that doesn't seem like that's the best decision not not necessarily the uh best decision Unless she's got like a separate gps in her car to get her back because she's not going to know how to get back to her <laughs> hotel room and mm-hmm. like her flight information is probably on her phone so um I mean, yes, she's not tracked, but she's just made life a lot more difficult for herself. Okay. And then we also uh, checked in with uh, the latest Melody Cruz video. Oh, man. Melody Cruz and her potty mouth. Melody Cruz is, uh, I I think she's uh, been radicalized. Yeah, um, she went to the Tom Hammerschmidt School for uh, Journalists Getting Obsessed with Something. <laughs> she's she's off the deep end. Who's listening to Melody Cruz? Uh, did she say that the president is a P word? Is that what it, it was? That her hot take? That was uh, yes, a paralyzed P word. What? And, and, what she, and said. she said, yeah, the the worst thing in the world is a paralyzed P word. What? I've never heard that term. That's before. that's like, not that a phrase. thing. That's not yeah. a phrase or expression. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that before. Maybe we should start quoting House of Cards <laughs> using, using that term. How does Melody Cruz have any influence? Also, Melody Cruz didn't seem like she was that angry with Claire Underwood when we first met her in episode one. But she's just, uh, yeah, her song that she's singing is, is – uh, not there's no melody there i don't know i don't know i don't know what's going on yeah. uh, she says she's sending out an sos <laughs> speaking of songs so. yes uh, <laughs> so I, I i don't know this this was a lot of stuff happened but this episode was was really all over the place yeah i did like the first five minutes and how we get like kind of we get caught up after this time jump where we find out that Claire Underwood has been doing a whole lot of nothing for a month. And, um, we get all those shots from the different news coverage of what they think of Claire Underwood. So, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that worked really well for, for getting us up to speed. 
Yeah, I think that the things that House of Cards has done well is, you know, in terms of like we had the episode that was the Kathy Durant, uh, uh, you know, funeral and, and, you know, an after party where, you know, stay in one place, tell one story, have sort of a, you know, a back and forth with uh, with characters and I think that it gets a little too ambitious with, I feel like it tries to do a lot of like, uh, you know, uh, sprawling, you know, all over the world and all these different things and pulling the rug out from under people. And uh, I don't know if necessarily they're pulling this kind of stuff off. Yeah, they do seem like they get distracted with these subplots. And it's one thing for that to happen in seasons two, three, four, five. But when we're in the last season and we now have three hours left and we have all of these random subplots and we're getting introduced to new characters and we're having people that just kind of disappear. Um, like we got to start bringing this this plane down to land. So we got to start wrapping some stuff up. Mm-hmm. So I, I do feel like that this is sort of um, a note that we've had before where it's like the best episodes of House of Cards are like, OK, this one is all taking place at the Democratic Convention or, you know, this is all taking place like uh, uh, we're in in a, you know, a bunker the whole episode and stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, where Election Day episode. Right. Really good. Right. Where it's sort of like, OK, well, let's just tell one story as opposed to yeah. trying to be all over the place. But uh, I do think I do think with this episode, there was so much information that. They're hopefully setting the table for kind of three knockout episodes that we get to to wrap this thing up. Yeah. So we kind of know where all the chips are. We know where all of our characters uh, are looking and and what they're investigating and what their motivations are. And now we can start kind of putting a, a close on some of these chapters. It's like the show wants to have it both ways where we get Claire breaking the fourth wall and she's like, trust me, I got this. Uh, this is all part of my plan. But if you're going to tell us this is all part of the plan, like, all right, explain the plan. <laughs> yeah. What are we seeing? What, what is what is happening right now? Yeah, there was, it's hopefully we'll, we'll find out what this all meant mm-hmm. in the next episode. And like, what was what was the point of going away for 23 days and replacing your whole cabinet? OK, but uh, we'll see. I, I mean, I, I predict that we will start the next episode with uh, this is going to be greeted by you know a, a lot of accolades in the media i guess so it just that that would be disappointing like is that's probably what's gonna happen but it just feels so pandering like okay like what is she actually gonna get done like just because she named mm-hmm. all these women to her cabinet that's great and i'm happy and i think that is a, you know a step in the right direction but she also disappeared for a month and just fired her vice president, I think, and all of the cabinet. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to have to get a new vice president in there as well. Yes. Uh, who will certainly be the uh, Brett Cole. Oh, you think it's going to be Brett? Oh, who else sense. could it be? Who, who else is it going to be? Well, is there promote a, the press isn't secretary? There a of, isn't there a line of succession? Shouldn't it be the House Majority Leader? Have we seen the House Majority Leader? Uh, not in a while. I don't uh, even know. It might be Mendoza yeah, or stop, Birch stop. or Womack. Yeah. Uh, this <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to be Brett Cole. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, if, it, it's definitely going to be a character that we've seen in season six. It, <laughs> it'll be Tom Hammerschmidt before it's Mendoza. <laughs> 
Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> next episode, spot. open on Anderson Cooper of uh, In a Stunning Move. The president has replaced her whole cabinet with all with an all female cabinet. And it's a move that's being uh, called bold and courageous and strong by 92 percent of Americans. 92%. That's pretty good. Approval rate. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty good uh, percentage. Yeah. So uh, I think that we're going to see that this is uh, a move that was received very well. Yeah. Well, um, even Melody right. Cruz will be like, wow, Claire Underwood really did it this time. It, I mean, this is just, it's just like, it seems too easy. And that's what I haven't liked when it has happened on this show is when things come to the main characters too easy. Uh, that was one of my problems with season two. It felt like Frank Underwood, uh, ascended very easily in that season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that, you know, these characters are going to succeed, but I don't want to be watching a show where we're in the dark the whole time. And then it's like, Oh, this was my plan. And it wasn't even that great of a plan, but it worked and I'm great. Okay. We'll see how it goes. Do we have any uh, questions about Chapter 70 besides the many that we have? Uh, Yes, lots of questions on our end. Uh, Well, one thing I noticed um, was that Bill Shepard is putting some random white powder in his drink. Oh, uh, yes. We did a close-up on that. Uh, Is is that going to be Chekhov's stevia? Oh, or... uh, I mean, I don't know if it's stevia or, uh, you know, bad stevia, cocaine... (laughs) it's there's some significance there i don't know if that's whatever drugs he's taking that are keeping keeping his heart beating yeah they really uh, we, we zoomed in on wrong it. yeah we don't know what's wrong with him also we do know that he has some sort of illness it's yeah. a mystery um but we don't know what that mystery is by the way 22 minutes into the next episode is all i have left to cash <laughs> in on true. my greg kinnear not gonna make it much further yeah, I'll have to start my start my stopwatch when I uh, when I start the episode. I have a feeling that he's not dying in the middle of the episode, but mm-hmm. maybe the first maybe the the first scene is that the news of the all female cabinet comes out and uh, killed Bill Shepard. Yeah, it kills Bill Shepard. He's so he's so upset about <laughs> it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Do we have any feedback questions? Uh oh, this is a good one. Should we add Kelsey, the press secretary, to the death clock? No, she will not die. Yeah, she's she's uh, ascended very rapidly in the White House, though. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she went from just uh, just intern trying to take the microphone away from people and now leading these press conferences and meeting with Claire Underwood in her office. Yeah. How did Claire Underwood get her hands on the uh, the uh, press room briefing uh, footage that seemingly nobody else had? Uh, Nathan, probably Nathan Green. OK, I guess so. Any questions about anything with it, like security or surveillance? I just assume it was Nathan Green. Okay, but I don't think she's going to die. Do you? Uh, I'll say sure. Yeah, why not? Let's I mean, let's just take everybody out. I guess um, so. I guess she's a loose I mean, end. She is a loose end. She now she knows that she made up all this information about Mark Usher. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, there, there's got to be some reason, and maybe this was it, but uh, Claire seemed very dead set on keeping Kelsey in the White House and in her position. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a reason for it. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Anything else? Uh, no, that was, I mean, Johnny had a couple other questions, but that was the only, um, the only one that we haven't covered. Okay. 
All right. So only three episodes left of House of Cards. We'll be back on our next episode recap in uh, chapter 71 of House of Cards as we are in the home stretch here on the House of Cards recap podcast. Uh, Zach, let me take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of the House of Cards recap podcast. And those are our friends over at uh, BetOnline.com. Dot A-G. They are the presenting sponsors of the Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge. And Zach, I, I have some great news. Oh, yeah? What's that? So that there was a, a little bit of a, uh, a, a lag in the scoring. We had to get the scoring updated. And so after week 11, I or after week 10, heading into week 11, I am uh, just one point off the lead. Only one point. Wow. Only one point that me in the lead. I'm tied with Rob Riggle and Sarah, which I think is unfair because that's two people. I'm only oh, one person. Two do. people doing well. Yeah, but at the same time, they might argue about picks. They might. So. And then Russ, Russ Tucker, Russ Tucker is at number one. And, and that's not even fair. He, he played in the NFL. And it's a whole lot of people with our names that are doing very well. Mm-hmm. Season for the R's. Yeah. So. All right. So here we go. I will be uh, putting in these five picks for week number 11. I am going to be taking the Panthers versus the Lions. That's probably the right call. Okay. Sorry about Unfortunately. that. Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah, that's all right. Okay. It's at Detroit, I believe. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Yeah, we'll see. I'm taking the Cardinals hosting the Raiders. That'll be a fun game to watch. It's just going to be a lot of turnovers and incomplete passes. Mm-hmm. I've got the Steelers versus Jacksonville. All right. They're hot. Uh, they, They're emboldened after Le'Veon Bell didn't show up. I am, too, with a uh, with a James Connors sitting on my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a big Le'Veon Bell fan, but uh, I hope he's enjoying his year off. Okay. So it's kind of like his version of uh, Claire Underwood. It's a gap on the bench for It's a gap three. year for, for yeah. Le'Veon. He's going to come back, and he's going to even you know be way more emboldened next year, even better. Yeah, I've got the Saints – Versus the Eagles. Should be a fun game. Okay. And then my lock of the week, Chargers hosting the Broncos. Lock it in. Oh, man. Is that in L.A. or is that in Denver? In L.A. Oh, okay. In L.A. Broncos on the road. Okay. Lots of football in L.A. this weekend. Yeah. I know we're closing in on the end of House of Cards, but we're also uh, starting to get towards the two-thirds of the way through in this NFL season. College football season heading towards the bowl season, not Todd Bowl season anymore for much longer, luckily. Uh, in the NFL, the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs all looking good, while Carolina, Pittsburgh, San Diego, Houston heating up in college football. Alabama, clearly the best team in the country with Notre Dame, Clemson, Michigan, uh, near the top of the BCS standings. That does not stand for Better Call Saul. There's only one place to get in on all the action. That's betonline.ag. Don't wait any longer. Use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus. That's PODCAST1 for the 50% sign-up bonus. In the NBA, Milwaukee, Toronto, Golden State, Denver, all off uh, on a very high note. And in the NHL, Nashville and Tampa, are sitting atop with great records. Don't miss out anymore on the incredible action. Go online or use your mobile phone uh, to sign up and use promo code podcast one to receive your 50% welcome sign up bonus and try in-game live betting where you can participate with all of the action on every play. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, speaking of betting, did you see that Mark Usher poker game with Bill Shepard? That was a real high stakes poker action. 
Oh yeah, that that looks like a like a run it up Rima, run it up Reno or something. I feel like uh, yeah, I, I thought yeah. it was actually very low stakes for uh, the Mr. Vice President and uh, Bill Shepard. I wasn't sure if they were trying to show like something about Mark Usher and how he won't take any risks unless like Bill Shepard tells him to do something. And uh, I don't know if they were trying to make that like a real symbolic scene or what. But yeah, they were like, oh, um, he's uh, he's got a good hand. I know, like uh, I can read him. Yeah. Um, but we did have that scene and then we had the, the back room, uh, cabinet meeting as well. So, uh, lots of wheeling and dealing in this episode that all led to nothing for all of these people who tried to make a move on Claire. Okay. So people are trying to call Claire's bluff, but they are not, they're not able to do it. It's just a crazy game of poker. If Mark Usher goes down for, he colluded with Russia, uh, this is re- uh, this was v- very very convenient that this all worked out this way. Yeah, well, you know, Claire Underwood knew knew how to get the information from the right people, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm hoping for some uh, higher mm-hmm. drama, higher stakes as we head into these last couple episodes, not just like collusion. Um, mm-hmm. Let's get him for some real stuff. <laughs> Are you saying collusion is not a crime? Uh, no, it's just not as exciting for, uh, from what I hear that that takes a really long time to try to, to try to prove. Yeah, I actually, uh, was just finishing a podcast all about the Watergate and it took like over two years after the crime to get through all of the, all the developments for Watergate. From what I hear, it does not seem like, uh, it's just like an open and shut case. FBI comes in for one day. Yeah. Well, I guess if you have if you have the White House press secretary saying one thing. <laughs> yeah. Then under oath. Yeah. She she overheard this person talking. So clearly he's uh, he's <laughs> that's <guilty>. it. <laughs> Throw yeah. the book at him. Uh, he's done. All right. Zach Brooks. Great job. Once again, you could follow Zach on Twitter. He is at Brooks Z.A. We've got five House of Cards recaps uh, in the books now. Only three more to go this season. It's crazy. Only three more to go ever. Um, but you know, I'm getting I mean, pumped up. You never know. I I could see House Cards coming back at some point. I mean, we're we're about to get a Breaking Bad movie. We had Roseanne come back, and then we had Roseanne come back without Roseanne. So, uh, what is dead may never die. <laughs> what is dead may never die. I can't imagine that the IP on House of Cards is such a hot commodity. Minus Kevin Spacey, that people are going to want to uh, do a whole new House of Cards. Yeah, you never know. I mean, we've seen it happen before, uh, but Netflix does have so much other content. They have so much <laughs> other content. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't see it, but I guess uh, never say never. Yeah, exactly. All right. I, I will I will keep my phone number uh, the same just in case <laughs> House of Cards ever comes back. You can text me and we can, we can start this podcast back up. Yeah. <laughs> 2027. <laughs> Underwood 2028. Underwood twenty thirty two, Underwood twenty thirty six. So, uh, has has any show aged worse than House of Cards? Oh, that's a good one to think about uh, before the next podcast. I'm sure there is another example, but House of Cards has not aged very well. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. It definitely came out at like the worst time that it could possibly come out. Yeah, uh, and then with everything with Kevin Spacey, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Although, you know, nothing nothing about anybody else on this show that we know about yet. Although, so. shout, out, shout out to uh, one of our listeners, uh, Colin Latchford, who went back and rewatched the whole series before uh, it started. Kaz Kostrovsky texted me and he uh, he said he is in the middle of season five right now and wants to know if it gets good. And I said, <laughs> if, if season five gets good or the show gets good. I think he said he liked the first couple of like the first couple seasons and then he felt like it dragged. And I told him I remembered liking season five and that I was liking season six so far. I feel like so. that we've enjoyed, you know, every season of it. But I, I just don't know necessarily if you went back and watched it. Uh, you know, it's a show that's made for binging. That's for sure. Like when you're, when you're sitting here and you're, you watch this episode and you can't just go on to the next one and find out what the reaction is to Claire's, uh, to Claire's announcement that like then in, when you sit there and you, you kind of dig in, you're like, what was the point of that? And why are we wasting time with this? Mm -hmm. Um, house of cards is a show that when you chew it, you know, sometimes you get a bad bite here and there. So we've come this far. Three more to go. Can't wait to talk to you again. Chapter 71. Take care, everybody. Bye.